Hello and welcome to Food Dangers Untold, um, episode two, um, Underground. And I'm your host, as always, Elwood. And joining me, of course, is my glamorous co host, Emily. <laughs> Hello, yes. it's me. So here we are, obviously, continuing our chapter by chapter breakdown of the cult fantasy classic that is Labyrinth. Uh, on our first episode, we hung out at the park, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, very little going on, but also like a lot, like, yeah, <laughs> but not a lot at all, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've obviously been introduced to Sarah. We looked at the pre-production for the, for the film and um, hopefully you all enjoyed that. And um, to now we obviously rejoin Sarah, who's running home because she's realized that she's late and she's supposed to be babysitting her younger brother tonight. Mm-hmm. So we see this wonderful dash through the streets of New York. In the pouring rain to David Bowie's singing. Do you know what song it is? Because I wanted to say it's underground. It's underground. Not the most standout of Bowie songs, it has to be said. I like it. <laughs> I'm biased, but I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's like... It, it, it's it's a good like pace for running home in the rain and it, the lyrics are like no one can blame you for walking away um it's just fun it's funky and i think it really sets the tone nicely yeah. uh well service home is uh, located in upper newark new york on the north broadway on the riverside of the street between first avenue and hook mountain so if you want to go and do some movie location stalking you can do that um obviously with our first location we were in buckinghamshire and now we're obviously in New York. And then when we get to our house, we are actually back on Elm Street Studios because it's actually on the, on the back of a studio lot. It's not an actual house that uh, the outside of our her, her family home is. So that was a new piece of information for myself. Mm-hmm. I've watched so many behind the scenes that I, I knew that. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. I, they like there's like scenes of them like with huge hose pipes like making the rain fall down on her outside the house. It's really cool. I always wanted to be like on a on a location when they're like doing like rain effects. I just thought that'd be really trippy mm. to be. Um, I also got a lot of porch envy from this scene because we don't have porches in the UK, yeah. and I've always wanted to have a house with a porch. Yeah, they're super cute. You can like sit out on it in your rocking chair with a gun and like yell at the passing by children. That's the thing. That's it's it's for, it's right? it's perfect for me now, so I can just yell at the uh, local kids to get the crap off my lawn. Get the crap <laughs> off my lawn! Um, but yeah, I, I think ever since I saw the Goonies, um, I've wanted a, a property report. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the best place to like hang out. Yeah, and obviously she's completely bone dry while she's like, what the fuck time do you call this, Sarah? It's like, get out of my way. It's pissing it down. Yeah, she does. She does give a little bit of judgment how it makes her stand in the rain while she judges her. Makes her stand in the rain while she's like, what time do you call this? And like, she makes, not the dog, but it's pouring into the garage. So Merlin can't even, I wanted to call him Nelson then because my friend has a dog that looks very, very similar to Merlin. And his name is Nelson. Oh. <laughs> but it's not Nelson, it's Merlin. Merlin has to go into the garage, which is so unfair. It's so bizarre when you look... I'm just looking at the screenshot now of um, the actual set, and I want to say, is that the Psycho House in the background? I could not tell you. I'm just like looking at this, because 
in my head it seemed it was she was like on a suburban street and i think it's because we had that shot where she d- takes the shortcut mm-hmm. um for the house which it, again i because i've not really so sort of paid too much attention to still and seen till now but she takes the shortcut through and i was like oh that's a house i remember it being on a suburban street and then when we look at these uh, shots of it it's no it seems to be like in a real sort of back alley mm-hmm. part of this really nice house that's some for some reason there yeah um but we're introduced here to her stepmother irene oh she does have a name yep she's got um her, ste- her stepmother's called irene and her father is robert nice um so and it's here that we also get to enter into the twisted psyche of sarah because in Sarah's head, Irene is the wicked stepmother character, even though Irene is probably one of the nicest people. Is she? She, she is. She, yes, she scolds Sarah for like being late. But yes, if you said that you know you're supposed to be back by a certain time and someone turns up late, you can understand someone being abs- being a little pissy with you. Yeah. But she says that you know, you know, I would like for you to be dating. Yeah, that's a horrible you know, thing to say. That's not that's not an example of her being a nice stepmom. She's like, I assume you'd tell me if you had a date. I'd like if you had a date. You, you should have dates at your age. It's like, fuck off. I can do what I want. Like, how dare you be like, I'm very much on Sarah's side here. I do not appreciate <laughs> that at all as a conversation between two people who barely know each other and she's trying to get on side and she's like I went on dates when I was your age well bully for fucking you Irene I want to go to the park and read my stupid plays in fancy dress costume like we're all different yeah let me live like don't come for me because I don't have a boyfriend because I'm not adhering to your fucking teenage stereotypes like yes I'm sorry I'm an hour late home but you don't need to come for me on that you know back off Irene I assume you feel differently yes (laughs) (laughs) I I assume that it's like you know it's like that she's having the same sort of relationship you know when your your friend is going for a breakup and they're like in that spate of like oh, they just want to be alone and write bad poetry mm-hmm. and like and you're like you're like come on come out let's go bowling we're we're pay <laughs> and uh that's what it felt like a similar conversation it's sort of like you know why don't you you're you're a pretty girl go and have dates and have a social life instead of spending all your time hanging out with your dog at the park um Apparently, it's a different world over in Emily's side. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I don't appreciate the comments at all. I'm, like, I'm completely on board with Sarah because she immediately responds with like, "I can't do anything right, can I?" And it really sums up that like, look, let me live. I'm my own person. I'm not you. I'm not prom queen. I don't want to go on dates with people. Like, I have friends, maybe questionable. <laughs> None of your business. Like, I'm very, very happy and content with the way I pass my own time and you need to take a step back away from being all up in my grill you know okay <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm also introducing this in the theory that I'm gonna be pushing for this season where that the events of labyrinth actually just all take place in Sarah's head this is a lonely Saturday night and that she creates this fantasy adventure in her head so it's kind of like normal again on Buffy where all the events we're seeing are actually inside her, her head and of her own creation. Yeah. So this is this is my 
twisted fan theory that I'm going to be pushing. And obviously with her, mo- her stepmother, like, saying these things, it's all like, you know, I'm slightly concerned. You're like, why don't you go out and do some, like, normal uh, teenage things <laughs> instead of doing this? And the only reason we're going out is because the only reason we're asking you to babysit is because we didn't think you, we thought you'd be in already, hanging around your room and practicing the same line from your play because apparently you're not very good at memorising lines. Hey, sometimes there's just that one line that you just can't get. <laughs> so, you, so you just obsess over it as you look in your mirror with your paper crown on, yeah. applying lipstick and just like uh, brooding away. Her behaviour genuinely is so normal to me. Like, it's so completely understandable. Nothing she does is weird or out Mm. there. Like, she 100% goes in, gets changed, sits down and starts going over her lines again. You know, if she's interested in the theatre and perhaps this is for an audition or even just for fun, you want to get the lines in your head and sometimes you can't. And she's, like, going over them in the mirror and she's, like, popped a little crown on her head. Like, that's very... Like, you know, it's just throwing it on and she's playing with her lipstick. Like... I think it's a very, very ordinary thing to do. And, like, yeah, like, you asked me to babysit because you know I enjoy spending my weekends in doing whatever I'm doing. Uh, so don't then come for me and be like, maybe you should have a social life, Sarah. Well, Irene, maybe you should get a different haircut. I don't know. Like, <laughs> fuck off. Um, yeah, not a fan of the stepmother. She's just... Okay. she She's... I know that she's... I mean, she only gets, like, four lines, poor woman. And they do well to not make her, like, cruel. But for me, the reason this movie resonated with me so much is because I saw myself in Sarah so much. And I was like, yeah, Irene, (laughs) shut up. Um, And then you go and practice your lines in your room, which is a perfectly normal thing to do. Um, In terms of it being in her head, it's. I mean, Jim Henson came forward, literally, and said that that's how he sees the movie is what he always intended the audience to sort of understand it to be but I am such a one for being like she went to the labyrinth like she went to the labyrinth it happened she went there she had a time like I always thought that it was just a really cute fun touch how her room looked and how it reflected all of these things within the labyrinth in the same way that the never-ending story school's attic has a couple of things that reflects what's going on in fantasia but like we know that that's it's not in his head there it's really happening so i sort of uh, thought the same thing here however seeing as we're deep diving let's dive david bowie goes off with sarah's mom like that is that is what's happening on her mirror. David Bowie yep. is in all of the pictures with her actor mom, and we can assume that she left the family to be with him. So then the whole labyrinth is her coming to terms with that specifically, as well as agreeing to look after her stepbrother and be okay with the new family unit and perhaps move away from her childhood a bit more. But it doesn't make sense to me because... Why would Jareth fall in love with her? And that's her whole thing from the off. If she hates him because he took her mum away from her. Do you know what? It's her fantasy. Yeah. So why does she 
I don't know. I haven't thought about it much. Because Sarah emulates so much of her mother. This is why she uh, has these uh, has these um, actor sort of fantasies because her mother is obviously an actress, mm-hmm. and part of this is this is that she's really embodying the role of being her mother. She sees herself as being the same as her mother in so many ways. She carries across so many of her characteristics. She looks how very you, similar. How do you know that she carries across many of her characteristics? Like, where is that in the text? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because I'm... she's theatrical. Right. Okay. You got. I mean, you got to, the the fact that you know they both have this love of the theatre of mm-hmm. lose of of characters, and obviously when we're introduced to Sarah, she's performing her play in the park. Mm-hmm. So, and in the novelisation, she touches upon you know this how she idolises her mum, and you see in the scrapbook, it's not just like mum and then like scratched out. It's mum and heart. Mm-hmm. And it's also the pictures that she's showing are with her mother and her co-star slash lover, um, who's played by Bowie, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really fun sort of Easter egg that you don't really notice it until somebody points it out. Mm-hmm. And there's more of her on the mirror as well. So she certainly feels no resentment from these signs towards her mother, even though her mother was sort of responsible for the breakup of the family unit. Her father goes off and marries Irene, um, here played by Shelley Thompson, who her most noteworthy role outside of this is the fact she's in Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> but yeah, because her father's obviously married Irene, he's had, she's got a, a half-brother now with Toby. So the fact that, you know, her father's, Moving on, he's he's created a new family, and she's unsure where she sort of fits in to this new family dynamic. Even though her stepmother obviously cares about her, even though, judging by your comments, it's a very <laughs> misguided sort of care. Um, I don't know, maybe it's maybe because I'm you know older with with kids, you kind of side with the parental figures. It's yeah, sort of like completely. you know, she's just doing her best here. Yeah, she didn't like choose to have like a teenage stepdaughter but you know she's doing the best with the situation yeah and, and Sarah um, is quite bratty at the beginning of this movie I do I do understand that but I am like team Sarah all the way and every time I watch this movie I'm like piss off Irene um, and her father's useless like, yeah like her father, do- like, her father doesn't even come in her room I he really just like basically talks to her for the door that line where he's like I'll talk to her Sarah, are you okay? We were worried about you. And she's like, it's fine, just go. And he's like, all right, bye. And she says, like, you really wanted to talk to me, didn't you? Practically <laughs> brag down the door or whatever. And it's like, it's true. Like, he didn't even make a fucking single ounce of effort yeah. for his actual daughter. And so she must feel so isolated and unseen and obviously, like, you know, she's surrounded by all of this fantastical media in her room that that it's very easy to sort of put yourself in a victim's uh, mm. place. And, like, she is a little bit of a victim. Like, clearly the whole thing is a bit stressful for everyone and no one's having a great time or knowing how to navigate their way through it. Um, but with the shit that she'll be reading in her spare time, like, you know, for a fact as well, that she'll be like, I'm so hard done by, like, I should just be kidnapped, then they'll be sorry, or whatever. So, like, I get it. I get you, And And how she says that whole line, it's like you practically broke down the door, it's a very theatrical sense to it. 
It's not like, you know, a normal teenager would say it. She's over-dramatizing the words. She's making, she's putting on a performance here because mm-hmm. she wants the attention. And that would obviously be another link to obviously her, you know, trying to imitate her, her mother. Her mother's this, obviously this Broadway star who's gone off and on the, who's sort of run off with her on stage uh, partner who's become a real life partner, as these things often do. Mm-hmm. From what I read from Scandal Mags, I don't know. Maybe real life's not as not as fun as these things, but well, you know, Mister and Missus Smith broke up Jen and Brad, so I know. And you know, the on-screen romance between Seth Cohen and Summer screwed up the OC. <laughs> the fact she's like uh, has all these sort of these moments, and you can tell that she doesn't want to be there, even though the mother's like clearly not in the picture. She still has these, this high adoration for her mother. But um, the room, her bedroom itself, though, I think it's up there with my top fantasy rooms. Oh, yeah, I remember sure. seeing it as a kid and it's like, you know, that's the bedroom I want. Yeah, I mean, it was my bedroom. Like, that's what my bedroom looked like. Like, genuinely, really? that's what my bedroom looked like. Yeah. Like, just full of fucking junk. Like, just so full <laughs> of, like, fantasy books and teddy bears and, like... You know, she's got, like, a stegosaurus on her pillow. I have a stegosaurus collection. Like, me and Sarah are one. Um, Why stegosauruses? Because I, they're the best dinosaur. Duh. Triceratops <laughs> is the best dinosaur. No, no, it's the stegosaurus. Okay. Um, don't be silly, Elwood. Honestly. <laughs> Can't get the stuff. Welcome to DinoCast. <laughs> <laughs> The fight between uh, the herbivores. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a stegosaurus. It's slow as slow as shit. It's already got a peanut-sized brain. Yeah. And with triceratops, it's sort of like you know, it's what more aggressive? A little bit more, it's a little more speedy. Like Sarah from Land Before Time, she was a little bitch. Whereas, like stegosauruses <laughs> are just lovely. Okay. And the Triceratops in Jurassic Park is like, um, ill. Is that all right? Calm down. <laughs> it, did, it, it did eat, you know, well, berries that shouldn't have been in. <laughs> it's, like, right. it's been extinct for a number of years. It still doesn't know <laughs> what to do in life. Stegosaurus wouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, um, so literally there is so much go. shit in Sarah's room. Yeah. We, I mean, this is, again, is... It, buys into you know the Sarah psychosis theory and the fact that you can look at this room especially if you've seen the film already mm-hmm. and note all the things that are going to come and play into the story we've yeah. got the usual fantasy books there you've got Wizard of Oz, Snow White where the wild things are obviously a big key reference there Alice in Wonderland and Grimm's Fairy Tales and at the end you've even got a little hoggle statuette yeah a little hoggle bookend and you've got out uh, outside over there by maurice sendak as well same author which is about a girl who saves her sister from the goblins um and all of the books are obviously about escaping into another fantasy land um so very very obvious like we're gonna have a coming of age dream okay everyone jump on <laughs> time to come of age in a fantasy world Woo woo! choo choo um love love the hoggle bookends just i meant to i meant to check before but yeah no like how long has it been since this movie came out uh, a long ass time wow <laughs> why can't i buy mainstream 
Uh, Hoggle bookends. Why can't I buy them? Uh, because it's not owned by Disney. I should be able to buy them. Because Disney, if it was a Disney property, you could buy any number of tap that they would want to wheel out for this film, and they would charge you a premium price for it as well. <gasps> oh my god, they the original one sell, sold in a, a live auction for entertainment memorabilia for £3,500 worth it. I'd pay that. Um... Yeah, but like, then we had a whole quest uh, this week to try and find volume four of the yes. of the uh, Return to Labyrinth manga, and that that one got pricey. I mean, the Marvel yeah. comic book series we also found out about this week um, goes for a pretty penny as well if you're buying the the issues. I mean, they were like sixty quid each. So yeah, it's insane. Like I get it, but it's insane. Uh, with the return to the labyrinth one, it's just annoying because I'm like, I already have three. I need the fourth. Um, I did borrow the fourth from a friend once. I had to read it so carefully because it was in such pristine condition and I didn't want to break the spine at all. So I was like, careful, like I barely, I barely like read it because I was like barely opening up the pages just to like see how it ended. And then I immediately gave it back and I was like, thank you so much. Thank you. Um... But yeah, so I just need to find one of them that is not ridiculously overpriced. And you found one for me and I will be ordering it. So, whoop whoop, present for me. Um, cool. But yeah, I, you still can't buy Hoggle bookends. You can buy Labyrinth pyjamas, Labyrinth t-shirts, Labyrinth slippers, Labyrinth board games. I know because I do, but I cannot buy Hoggle bookends, which is just uh, lazy. Like it's right mm. there for the taking. And yet here we are without Hoggle bookends. Um, she's got like a little Labyrinth game next to that yes uh which is sort of obvious of course uh so many plushies and like so again why can't and i think you could at one point but they're very rare why aren't you mass producing sarah's version of the creatures from the labyrinth plushies there's a ludo a didymus a fiery like give them to Mm. me you also have a statue of uh statue of jareth which is by a mirror yeah, not a big fan of statuettes, so I wouldn't go for that. Same as the little ball gown lady in the sort of trapped, encased jewellery box thing, music yep. box. Um, wouldn't go for that. Would rather get the music box from Anastasia than this one, believe it or not. But um, look at that fucking fiery. It's got like buttons for eyes. It's adorable. Um, so cute. Mm. We've also got the uh, MC Escher lithograph of relativity, which is going to play into the big finale. Yes. So cool. And you've got a slashing machine record. Uh, It's like a record cover of like a made up band. But on the front cover, it has the cleaner. uh, When they're they're running from the cleaner. Oh. When we get there, you'll see. But yeah, so there's that. It's so great. She's also Um, got um, a collection of bears, a favorite named Lancelot. I've read a lot of places on the internet that are like, her favourite is Lancelot. And I'm like, no, it's not her favourite. It's just a bear that she has that has a very specific space that's been stolen. Um, It's funny that they immediately are like, the reason she gets so mad is because it's her favourite bear. It's like, no, it's, I don't think, I never read it as her favourite bear. It's just, someone's been in my room, someone's taken my stuff. Like, that's unacceptable. I think when it could, the fact it's a teddy bear, and generally, if you have an attachment to a stuffed animal of, of some description, it's usually a teddy bear. So, for it to, for 
that to be the particular item of um, obsession in that moment it would make sort of sense as it's you know this this prized possession even though it obviously has its space on the shelf with these other stuffed animals that um you assume would have equal value to it because they they aren't just like put on a shelf these are specifically boxed little boxes that they sit in yeah um and I like so, that it's a teddy bear that has nothing to do with the labyrinth. Like, it's not like he steals the, it doesn't, does the fiery it? doll. Like, because it would be way too on the nose if you like stole the Jareth doll and then Jareth stole him. I don't think I'd like this movie as much. But it's just a completely neutral. It's like the kind of bear that you attach a label to and send your child off to the countryside to avoid the bombings from Germany type bear. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can yeah, hold it's it by so its like... arm and it looks very darling. I think if they if they could have made like a um a Ludo doll, I think that would have replaced the bear in this scene. Well, there's a Ludo stuffed toy in the room, and it's gorgeous. Uh, it's so cute, but I again. I oh think yes, it, there I is, isn't there? Be, so, I think it'd be too on the nose. I think it would just be like because I was able to watch this first few rounds and not even consider that it didn't happen because there's no. The one time she says, just like not to skip ahead, but the one time she says, I dreamed it all, I thought, is when she's still in the labyrinth. Um, and so I always took that as like, cool, guess that's canon for this is really happening. <laughs> this oh, I've never even thought about it being in uh, head until <laughs> we started um we started this project and yeah. then it was sort of like I it was really random because we were on the um the Facebook group for the movies by minute. Um, people mm-hmm. where everyone likes to share their projects and everyone was like it, people were like saying oh we want we'd like to come and guest on the show and they were obviously posting gifts of if you need us mm-hmm. and it made me think of the scene again we're skipping ahead here and it's sort of like well geez it, these people aren't in a room and they're like saying well if you need us we're always going to be there and mm-hmm. then it would make in my head it's all like oh of course because they're in her head so she can just bring them back they don't need Jareth to bring to like gateway the two worlds so yeah that's the only reason it it's come to me since we started because before oh, right. it was always like the transition is there because you know he spirits her away to the labyrinth mm-hmm. um because yeah. you know he's a magical shapeshifter <laughs> but yeah no um, I think after my like 39th viewing or something I was like I I understand how I'm meant to take this but I refuse. And Jim Henson is there, like, obviously it's her psychosis, it's all in her head, and it's a coming-of-age tale where she has to deal with a bunch of problems and she's doing it through all of the crap that's in her room. Like, we made that very obvious, and I'm like, I hear you, Jim, but I'm just gonna ignore you. She went to the labyrinth and had a great time. Like, I need it to be real. (laughs) I need it to be real. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, I've... I love that it's not on the nose about it being a dream. Like, she doesn't wake up like Dorothy or Alice. She doesn't wake up. And there's not people there. And she's like, you were there. And you? And you? Who the hell are you? You know, there's none of that. It's like... uh, It's like... She's... She's, She went to the labyrinth. Take it as you want. Feel free to be a bummer about it and say that it's in her head that's not me coming for you that's me coming for jim henson oh, okay jim. because thank also, you for clearing like, that up also like uh, rest in peace jim henson we love you to pieces but to death of the author like that's your intent that's lovely 
she went to the labyrinth in my head. Like, this is no longer yours, Jim. This is mine. And it really happened. At the end of the day, people are going to read things however they want to yeah, read them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, even if you tell somebody that, you know, this is the exact thing which has happened, yeah. people are always going to go with their version because Definitely. it still fits in within within the world and I think all fiction is open to interpretation absolutely and I'm so I'm just really thankful that they leave it open enough to be like if you want to think she genuinely went to this random place with a 13th hour on the clock you do that crazy people but here in movie land it was very clearly a coming of age tale where she used a fantasy world to deal with her problems but we're leaving it open enough for you to do what you want to do and I'm like thank you I will be doing that Whereas you can't do that with Wizard of Oz. It's very much like, no, that didn't happen. Wizard of Oz is a lot darker if you read the book. Oh, or yes. books, should I say. Political allegory. Um, yeah. Well, when, they, when you watch like the MGM musical and it's sort of like the wonderful, colourful land of Oz and we're all going off and we're going to sing happy songs and we're all going to solve our problems through good feelings and water. And you read the book and it's just like Dorothy and her buddies butcher their way through the yeah. magical <laughs> land of Oz. Because they get attacked by crows and the scarecrow is just snapping necks left right and center i couldn't um, um we had the audio tape of it i yeah. like I, I got to a point with the like boingy heads as they're trying to cross a bridge and these heads are like in the side of a hill and they're on springs and they would come out and try and whack them into the like ravine i'd always get to that point and i'd be like Stop! That's enough of that for this evening. Let's get Bramley Hedge back in. <laughs> Let's get some it's, red wool. Yeah, with because uh, the Tin Man's axe that isn't just for show in the book. Mm-hmm. He's quite handy because he's the again he's like the scarecrow. He's just busy killing things because they get attacked by this weird beast creature really quickly into their adventure, mm-hmm. and he decapitates it. Yeah, and it's like oh, I don't remember this being <laughs> in the Judy Garland <laughs> Judy version. Judy Garland didn't do that. <laughs> But then again, if you really want to wind people up, just say you prefer the uh, version with uh, Oliver Laurel in it. With who? Laurel of Lauren Hardy. It's in the original uh, version of Wizard of Oz. Nice. The reason that, you know, they even bothered to put money into a Julie Garden version. Yeah. And it was nearly um, like a massive flop or whatever. Um, no, yeah, so I'm really happy that it doesn't do a Wizard of Oz and it leaves it open to interpretation. Oh, definitely so. And there's so many stories like that where you can like say, oh, it's in somebody's head. I mean, you can look at like The Prisoner where the whole the whole story is that it's based in his head and that the changing numbered characters are all basically doctors trying to get him better. And Buffy, again, was great. Just how open that left to it with normal again. It's sort of like, was it all in her head? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think would... I think we when we talked about that episode... You know, we we decided that no, it wasn't actually in their head. Like it's it just can't a, be. That would be so reductive. <laughs> it's just so clicky. But in a way, it covers for the many of the things we don't like, like the final season or Anya being killed. We can yeah, just say no, that that never happened. That's all, uh, all a fantasy. Yeah, but then also like women taking control and being super powerful is also a fantasy, and instead they're just screaming and trapped, which you know. That's why I'm with them. Marnie Nixon or whatever her name is. Being like, no. <laughs> it really happened. Otherwise, everything that Buffy stands for is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know how to respond to that. I never even thought about it in that darkness. 
Um, um, but yeah, what else is in her room? It's such a cute room. I love it. So if much. we look at the Wikipedia, it says obviously highlights the fact that there's Dungeons and Dragons in there. Again, mm. classic fantasy, um, and it plays into the element idea of escapism, mm-hmm. the where you escape into a fantasy world. There's Ludo, which. That that would I assume that's obviously a reference to um, her big carry friend, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, and they, they also claim that Judge Dredd's in there, which Judge Dredd I cannot see tying into this world at no. all. Neither can I see it in there. <laughs> no, it's true. The the lawman of the post-apocalyptic thirtieth century. No, <laughs> no, not quite. As um, much as I love Judge Dredd, he is not part of this world. Yeah, but I do love. I love the look of it i love her wallpaper i do love the jared statue like i'm not a statue person um yeah. myself but i i do like her jared statue it's very cute it's got a real timelessness to this room when we look mm-hmm. at other rooms from this era um they're very sort of dating very sort of 80s in their look and you normally can tell from the posters or yeah they all have the like use of neon back, but they, with they have Sarah's. Like jaws and alien posters or whatever yeah, with Sarah's, I think because it's so grounded in this sort of fantasy, you know, epic, um, epic, and um, the you, you know, there's posters on the wall for um, cats, and I wouldn't say Vita, mm-hmm, yeah, uh, which I assume is just obviously a throwback to her Broadway mother. Um, yeah, cats is just a really long time at the theatre. Are you? Are you? Are you, are you coming? For cats, I'm not coming for is cats. That, is I that just, you coming for cats? I just, you know, I just don't. I, I can put I just, my gloves on if you're coming for cats. You're gonna put your kitten claws on now. Uh, yeah, like oh. I'm gonna Michelle Pfeiffer with whatever the fuck <laughs> she keeps in her like little sewing box and then puts on the edge of her fingers. I'm gonna do that. It's gonna take me a while because yeah. she does it for each individual finger. But if you're coming for cats, that's what I'm about to go and do. So are you coming I for just, cats? I think, you know, it's just Andrew Lloyd Webber in general. Yeah, that's fair. We, can, we can come for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like, I'll allow that. Whereas, Plagiarist. you know, the... <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but... Uh, just Patrick Bell's canon just... is memory. When's the last memorable thing that Andrew Lloyd Webber did that wasn't Phantom? Even his attempt to do a sequel to Phantom was awful. And, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I cannot... I cannot even fight you on that. Yes, he's um, awful. He's just... And just as I said, he just sits there in his ivory tower snarking on people when he doesn't get his own way on his reality shows that he organises. Yeah. I think it was the Sound of Music one mm-hmm. when the wrong girl got the part and you could see he was visibly pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, wait, why did I let this happen? <laughs> <laughs> he sit, and he sits on a throne. Yeah. Everyone else has to sit on a crappy chair. He gets a throne. To be of fair, Mr. he has been trying. He's been at the forefront of the of the coronavirus pandemic, trying to get theatres to reopen and trying to get help with the vaccine and be seen taking it and etc cetera, etc cetera, to really get the theatres open. Now, obviously, it's because he has money in it, but you know, it's it's really lovely to have someone who spoke up so much during the mm. time where a lot of my friends and I were were out of work um so that's a good thing about Andrew Lloyd Webber however <laughs> uh I've run out of stuff <laughs> um but it's, yeah obviously back to Sarah's Sarah's room I mean it 
it's just got this real self-enclosed idea, this idea of someone's personal fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's very self-enclosed, the room is. When you look at the layout, it, it just envelops you when you're in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like you, you enter into a room. Every time you go into the room, it just feels like this very sort of... It's, it's almost like this fantasy cocoon she's created for herself. Yeah. And it's more just not having to deal with like the outside world. I mean, she doesn't have anyone that we know of in the outside world. She's just very much always by herself. I mean, the only sign of a companion she has is Merlin the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously her, her half-brother Toby, um, yeah. who ends our scene tonight with um, his crime, which, again, so children in distress never used to bother me until I had kids, and now it's just like... <laughs> It's just every time it just hits me so hard, I just oh. like can't cope. It's like the opening of Antichrist. I yeah. just have, I have to like stop and like take a moment to recompose before I go back. It's just children yeah. in peril. I just can't do anymore. I've heard that a lot. It, it it's a funny old thing. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but they like they there's an episode of Inside Number Nine that feels very drastically changed because the creators have children now. And it doesn't quite make sense thematically with how they end it because you know that they couldn't bring themselves to do what should have been done because mm. they all have children now. And I'm like, boo! <laughs> Kill the kids! <laughs> yeah, you... Emily, meanwhile, the childless millennial. <laughs> compared like, to myself, the... Shut up, Toby! <laughs> <laughs> myself, the the grounded zenial. Um <laughs> It provides, there's the contrast, but yes, the Toby here, played by Brian Froud's son, mm-hmm. who um, would go on to become a animator in his own right. Yeah. Super cute. So he works at Lackia. He, um, yeah, so she sees that Lancelot is missing and she storms into Toby's room. And yeah, to me, I'm still like, shut up, crying child, you're very annoying. As opposed to like, oh no, all of my parental instincts are kicking in. Um... Oh. We've still got a whole chapter this next week to <laughs> to look at, which is going to be totally real just fun like for me. Non-stop crying and then being kidnapped, and the, the child has got such an emotional face. It's he like does. no, he don't. Really does. It's interesting just, I... how Brian Froud said he'd drawn all of these like changeling esque pictures and illustrations of this child being surrounded by goblins, and then like however many months later, his child was born and genuinely the resemblance between his child and the child in the illustrations is scarily similar like it looks like the pictures came after the child was born that's how close they look it's crazy um one thing i'll say about sarah's bedroom not enough fairy lights in that it has zero fairy lights and i would have put more fairy lights in. It just feels like it needs some fairy lights, you know what I'm saying? I didn't That's know if they were a thing That's probably a 90s thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, I get it. It's fine. It's just, I'm... like, everything can be cured with fairy lights. I mean, despite, you know, Stranger Things retconning us that people had, like, an abundance of Christmas lights <laughs> in the 80s, they wasn't... I don't think people actually had like Christmas lights no. and fairy lights in in their bedrooms sort of thing. I think that's more like a 90s going into 2000 Yeah, thing. Yeah, very early 2000s. You've got like your inflatable chair and your like weird wacky mirror and then yeah, all of your like weird um, shaped fairy lights that, and, and your like jangly door curtain um, 
I'm just describing my bedroom from my early teenage years, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect instead to have maybe like a four post single bed. Mm. Definitely some sort of like um, one of those um, oh those silk sort of yeah, um, like cloths. netty type things. It's got a little bit of a curtain. It's got like a like up against the wall. It's got a little bit of a drape around it, but nothing yeah. elaborate. Like I agree. Like I went out of my way to turn my bed into as much as a like sleeping beauty encased bed as I could with like fabric that I found and I'd like just in case well just because I was like this freaking awesome and this is how everyone should sleep every day of their lives because you feel like a goddess um yeah but four poster beds are frightening i've stayed in york a couple times in the same hotel in the same bed um and it's four poster bed and you're meant to like shut the curtains in because of the cold or whatever and you just end up being like i'm gonna get murdered and i've always wanted to um, have a four poster so. so Yeah, and I really love the idea of it, but, like, being in an old-fashioned four-poster bed with, like, huge velvet, you know, Dickensian drapes that you, like, across, you're like, this is where I sit and wait to die. Like, I feel very trapped and unsafe now. So, it's much better to have the sort of... uh, see-through-y, netty, lacy, with rose patterns, sort of white, muslin-esque material just sort of draped into like big curtains that are pulled back onto the four poster as opposed to like big old energy saving murder weapons that are the old fashioned four poster beds thank you for coming to my TED talk (laughs) anything else that you want to talk about in this uh, chapter timely don't think so i think we've covered everything i think we'll keep coming back to this idea of is it all a dream is it not with the different things that happen throughout the labyrinth um can't wait for upcoming scenes oh my god and yeah you mentioned guests so hopefully we'll start getting some like guests on soon which will be really fun and interesting and I'll get to harass them with my opinions and not just poor Elwood who's probably like <laughs> no no I'm, I'm enjoying myself here it's great nice it's um, not gonna stop <laughs> it's, um, but yeah I mean obviously if you uh, do want to you know share some opinions on the show or you want to come and uh, hang out uh, you know you can always hit us up on the email which is through danger untold 99 at com, and uh, there you can let us know all your labyrinth uh, obsessions if you want to send us some fan fiction or find us some fan fiction we'd be most appreciate that because we are look- going to be looking at some fan fiction in coming episodes um, as part of our uh, bonus episode the fan fiction theatre um, so that's all to obviously come up um on the horizon so to speak but um you can obviously as well follow us on instagram and we are on twitter as well uh just look for dangers untold and you will find us uh, instagram in particular we've got a lot of fun bits of emily's collection being shown we fun little memes we and fan art even scraped the surface of emily's labyrinth collection like we have barely begun so uh you've got all that to look forward to <laughs> 
Um, but uh, yeah, it um, obviously brings us into tonight's chapter. Uh, when we obviously go into our next chapter, we are finally introduced to the goblin hordes as the fantasy starts to creep into the reality. But uh, that's obviously coming up on our next episode. But uh, so, thank you for listening tonight. Thank you to my co-host Emily. Woo! Thank you. And uh, as I said, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button to wherever you happen to listen to us. Maybe leave us a review. Give us a five-star review. We deserve <laughs> it. Um, you know, let your friends know that we exist. Yes. And spam your enemies. Yeah. Just get, to help us spread the word of the, the show as we had... Uh, We'd love to reach out to the larger Labyrinth community out there. Hell yeah, we, we know it exists. We've certainly seen some great fan stuff out there, and you know we'd like to uh, bring more of that in. So, yes, I want to be sponsored by Truffle Shuffle, so I don't have to spend money in that store anymore. Uh, but again, thank you as always for listening, and uh, we will be back very soon with our next uh, next chapter of our breakdown of Labyrinth. So hopefully you can join us for that. <laughs> Um, but until then, good night. <laughs> good night.